I am alone. I am utterly alone. So let's get digitally distracted. So, I mean, the truth is, you're never truly alone because I've got you. You are here. Thank you for this second episode of the second season of Digitally Distracted. And yes, today, rocking it solo. Hope you enjoyed the Beetlejuice reference. Top five. Top five film Beetlejuice. Did you know that? It's in my top five. Perhaps one Digitally Distracted. I'll go over my favorite films of all time and we'll break them down in a slow boring fashion right right that's what we'll do but welcome back to digitally distracted i am game dave and today we will be covering uh some insights into the Family corner import gaming series okay the two new episodes i want to talk about those i'm going to talk about having a baby well I mean, not not we having a baby, but uh, we're, we're going to discuss my journey uh, through having a child in the world that is the Game Dave channel, and we're going to talk a little bit about this quarantine thing. Not sure if you've heard about it, but some people had to quarantine, and a lot of Q&A, questions and answers, so many. Uh, I put out a Twitter question <laughs> for your questions for the Q&A today. But before we get into it, I got to mention two questions from that Twitter request. The first one from B. McD, B. McD, who said, Where's Gerald with a worried face emoji? Oh my. Telephone Gerald, you mean? Because Laserfrog also replied and said, Yeah, when will Telephone Leo be appearing? So, of course, that was Laserfrog's fun little reference to Gerald calling him Telephone Gerald because we all know Gerald loves the mobile games. I not so much like it a mobile games, but that's all right. I mean, I like portable games, some of them on the Switch, which will be coming up later on in today's episode. Yes, I'm going to be solo today because where is Gerald? Gerald's a busy man. All right, Gerald is a busy man. Uh, as we got towards the end of that first season, the first sort of 20 episodes of Digitally Distracted, which is really kind of this podcast, video, talk show experiment, um, I really wanted to start it off with someone in the room. You know, I've known Gerald for, for many years, and uh, we, we go for several spats where we don't really talk, and then we'll kind of run into each other and we pick things back up. And that's kind of what happened around the time that Digitally Distracted was coming into being. I had this idea. I wanted to make, you know, take my slogan of Digitally Distracted and put it into a show, and I wanted it to be sort of a video podcast talk show thing, and here we are right now. And if you don't know, yes, you can watch this on the Game Dave YouTube channel, but you can also listen to it on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And as far as I know, it should be getting RSS fed 
I think that's what they still call it, to most of the platforms. If there's a podcast platform that you're uh, using and you don't see this show, then let me know. I'll try to get that pushed over to it. But it should be on most of the go-to podcast platforms. I know there are a lot of listeners out there, so special shout-out to you who are uh, out there listening to today's episode instead of watching it visually. So there you go. Now, I know many of you are missing Gerald's sultry mmms, but uh, yeah, Gerald, busy guy. Uh, We haven't talked in a while. He's been, I know he was working on his novel, and then, of course, I went through my big move, and yeah, Gerald, he stays busy, and I know, uh, I'm sure with the quarantine and everything, he's been dealing with that. So, for the foreseeable future, Digitally Distracted will be me, occasionally. Uh, well, every time, but occasionally just me. And occasionally I'll have some guests on. Of course, I had John with an H from the Sweekin' and Revival movement on the first episode of this season two of Digitally Distracted. And I have several other people who you may have heard of, who you may have not heard of, that are in line to be on Digitally Distracted. I'm super excited. We should have a guest on the next episode, so that'll be fun. Uh, and now I want to get into the meat, the meat and taters of today's episode. Like I said, Family Corner. I was talking to friend of the show, Noptop, Dave Nop. You can check him out on YouTube at Noptop, and really any social media. If you put in K N O P T O P, you're gonna find Noptop. We've been buddies for a very long time, and we were talking about this first solo episode, and he's like, what I would really like to hear about would be more of a deep dive into behind the scenes of episodes you've posted since your last Digitally Distracted episode. And I was like, that's kind of a neat idea, so we're going to see if uh, that goes well. But I wanted to focus on Family Corner because that's sort of the staple retro gaming show on the Game Dave channel. And for this, you know, as I've been getting back into the schedule... I've done two. Uh, the returning Family Corner episode was King Kong 2. So King Kong 2 is interesting in that it's sort of, like I said in the video, it's this Legend of Zelda-esque sort of overhead view. And Noptop actually kind of complained about it. He's like, it didn't look that fun to me. It looked kind of boring, like a boring way to take a gigantic gorilla and just, just really make him small in the world. But I mean, the rest of the world was also small, and the fact that you were just running so quickly and destroying everything, that that's what threw me more than anything when it came to King Kong 2 is how you can get really, really fast when you pick up those speed power-ups. And I, you can kind of see in the gameplay footage in the edit of the episode, I'm jumping all over the place to get just from area to area in those little square grid um, sections that the worlds are built into. It just seemed too fast. You'd think King Kong would be a little bit slower moving, but, you know, it is what it is. I've actually never seen King Kong Lives, which is the movie that it is based on um, with Linda Hamilton, which is kind of wild. As far as I understand from, you know, when I was looking up things about the movie and the game, Linda Hamilton is, it's one of those movies that she wants to forget. She doesn't really... You know, she she would not say, oh, yeah, it was really fun working on that movie. But it looks kind of crazy. And, like, it's sort of that leftover giant animatronic <laughs> suited creature effect. Whereas, you know, now it's just, you know, CG. And, you know, King Kong has sort of come back. The kaiju 
sort of films are are resurging. I did see uh, the Godzilla film with Brian Cranston. I did see that one. It was fine, I guess. I did see Skull Island, which I only watched because of John C. Riley, and I, I really like John C. Riley. So there you go. And I guess they're gonna be doing this big sort of battle King Kong Godzilla thing, whatever. It's fine. My favorite kaiju creature is Gamera. So there you go. If you've seen the Jackie Chan action kung fu video, you'll know I love Gamera. And it, funny story about that. The first time now Gamera, if you don't know, is a giant Godzilla esque creature, but it's a it's a turtle. I mean, it's clearly a turtle with rocket boosters. And Gamera's kind of a good guy, similar to Godzilla, where it's like, eh, it's kind of a rampaging creature, but mostly a good creature, as far as I know. But the first time I ever heard of Gamera or saw Gamera was on an episode of Pee-wee's Playhouse. That's right, Pee-wee's Playhouse. There is an episode, um, and I, I'm not sh- certain, but there's a couple episodes where I think Kiwi has a pen pal in Japan and reads some letters from him. And I, there's also an episode where a visitor from Japan comes and hangs out with Pee-wee in the playhouse. I don't know if it was one of those episodes. Um, it may have been. But regardless, they show, because Pee-wee had a, it was such a crazy show, and Pee-wee's playhouse holds up. As an adult, very watchable show. There's... I mean, there's crazy cartoons and and stop motion animation and just there were so many types of genres and styles within just this kid show format. It's insane how well it holds up. But in one of those episodes, it cuts to a very, very small snippet from one of the old Gamera uh, movies. And it's just so out of place. And uh, I know if I remember... There's a part where Gamera grabs onto like a telephone line or something. And he's like spinning around it like a gymnast and flying off. And it's it's so ridiculous looking. But since then, Gamera, a uh, big fan. I think if and when, as we're talking about Fami Corner, really, if and when Super Fami Corner happens, of course, the Super Famicom, the Japanese Super Nintendo if and when that show happens, I'm pretty sure in my collection I have a Gamera game for the Super Famicom, and I would love to talk about that just because, I mean, Gamera, come on, it's my favorite. I almost purchased a, I'm not sure which company makes it, you know, it's not NECA, or maybe it is NECA that makes it, the, the you know, the company that makes those crazy Turtles figures and all the other wildly realistic figures, maybe it is, but there's a Monster series and they released a, a Gamera I was like, man, should I buy that? I'm not that big of a kaiju monster fan. You know, I don't own any of the movies or anything like that. But just something about Gamera. Just, just, I like turtles. I like turtles. What can I say? I'm that kid that likes turtles. So King Kong 2 was a, a fun video to put together. King Kong 2 is a Famicom game that I picked up from a convention. I believe I bought it at the Mad Gear Import Gaming Store, uh, Carlson. Got to know Carlson over the years because he's almost always at any convention that I would be at. Uh, you know, pour a little bit out for conventions because they are getting canceled left and right. Who knows what's going to happen 
in the future with conventions. We'll save that for quarantine discussion. Uh, but I got to know him, and King Kong 2 is one of the many games I picked up from Mad Gear. He specializes in import games when he sets up at conventions. Um, I have had luck with certain eBay sellers uh, trying to find import games, but King Kong 2 is one I did pick up from him. And actually, actually, what's really interesting, interestingly annoying about it is I picked up King Kong 2 from him because it was a complete box copy with the manual. I like to... If I can, if it's affordable, when I do an episode of Fami Corner, I like to make sure I have a complete copy of it. There's been a few where I haven't. Uh, Donald Land was an example. I did not have the book or manual or the book, the box, not the book, the box and the manual. Didn't have that. I think it's a sort of expensive one to get. I was not able to do it. I have a loose copy. And also uh, Mitsume Gatoru, the three-eyed one, is another game that loose it's expensive so you don't even see that many auctions for a complete copy of the three-eyed one so that was one that i had to go loose with because i usually reference the manual i think it's fun to show pictures and footage of the manual from these games uh just you know they have their own unique look to themselves compared to like nes manuals which were kind of all over the place almost every famicom manual has the same color scheme and layout it's kind of interesting haven't really touched on that much in the show. But I picked up King Kong 2 at a convention. I was like, oh yeah, King Kong 2. I thought in my head I could have sworn that I had a loose copy of King Kong 2 already. And I was like, well, this is a pretty good price on a complete copy. Yeah, I already have the game, but that way I can use it because I knew I wanted to do it as an episode of Family Corner down the road. I didn't know when, I just knew I needed it. And I got home from the convention, sorting everything out, getting ready to put things on the shelves, and I already had a complete copy of King Kong 2. That's how it goes. Sometimes that happens, and that was before I really started cataloging all of my games, and that's something that I really need to get better at. I've completed inputting all of my NES and Super Nintendo games and accessories and hardware and all that. Those are now completely cataloged in a database on my phone to help me avoid purchasing duplicates. It may seem like, well, how do you not, how do you not know what game you have? Get your game, Dave. You don't even know, remember what games you have. It's tough. Yeah, it's tricky. It's that weird thing of, no, you're never going to be able to play all your games if you um, do what I've done, which is silly. It's that weird thing of, you know, where does it end? I actually haven't bought, uh, purchased any retro stuff in a long time I've sort of slowed down because I feel like I have the majority of the games that I really want to have and many many years ago maybe when I first started going to conventions I did start picking up games just because they were good deals they weren't necessarily games I was wanting but I was like man it's a good deal if I get a couple more games I can do a bundle with the seller make a deal this makes this game cheaper because I'm buying this game that's happened. <laughs> I sort of filled up my collection a lot faster from conventions than I probably would have if I was just here <laughs> because there's not really any video game stores around here. But I I really have slowed down aside from just some modern games and that's also slowed down because I would pre-order a lot of games. Even if there were ones I was only slightly interested in, I would pre-order them because... 
the Best Buy Gamers Club Unlocked program, which ceased, I think, a year or two ago. But I had just renewed my Gamers Club membership at Best Buy right before they canceled it. So anyone who had you know remaining time in it, I think I had two years left, so maybe a little less than that, you were grandfathered in. So you could still get the 20% off every new game. And it wasn't just pre-orders where Amazon would do, if you pre-ordered a game, you would get 20% off. With Best Buy, you would get 20% off pre-orders, but you would also get 20% off any game that was relatively new. Um, up to like, I, I don't know, actually. I never really saw a game that wasn't 20% off. So it might have just been any game was 20% off. And that also included collector's editions, which was one of the first things that I think Amazon stopped giving 20% off on before they just wiped the program out. And so that has also slowed me down because it's a lot harder for me to drop the full 60 on a game that may or may not be something I'm going to complete. So when it comes to modern games, like I'll, I'll pay full price if it's a game I know I'm going to really get into. So there you go. King Kong 2. That That's just a little taste about King Kong 2 is that I <sighs> bought two copies. When it comes to the actual game, I was kind of nervous because I had read some things about how it's pretty difficult. And I got nervous. I was like, man, this might take some time. And the first time I played it, I got pretty irritated early on. I kind of mentioned that in the video. It was difficult. Um, at some some early game overs, despite the amount of lives you can pick up in the game, and that you can kind of grind in the game for power ups and things like that, which later on helped me immensely because I was able to really push through. And uh, yeah, King Kong Two ended up being really fun. I, I didn't like it at first. I was like, man, this kind of sucks. But then when I got to the later levels and I understood that it was this non-linear experience and I got used to the paths that I was taking, I got into it. Because the first, maybe the first half an hour of the game, I was really getting annoyed because I kept ending up ending up in the same place. If you watch the video, there's a couple times I show footage from it, but there's this area where it's like this brown sort of, I don't know, deforested area with a bunch of the water around it, which if you saw the review, water damages you, water hurts you when you get into it, like it's poisoned, poison water, why? And there's this one area with two doors down in the corner, and I don't know, probably 20 times I would accidentally loop back to that area when I was trying to get to the next area to get the next key to save Sweet Sweet Lady Kong. But King Kong 2 ended up being very fun, and again... The replayability is there because one, when you beat the game, you can play it again at a slightly harder difficulty and maintain your score, really push for those high scores, and you can see you know, what's the fastest path to reach the final world with all the keys and save Lady Kong. Pretty cool. The bosses were a little disappointing. You know, They were all in the same area. They all kind of worked the same way. Not difficult. The bosses weren't difficult. The hardest part about it is when you get to some of the more hectic areas where there's just enemies coming at you from everywhere, that got frustrating. And then trying to figure out the best way to get to the next world to get the next key. So other than that, pretty average difficulty game. Uh, 
compared to Armadillo, which I want to get into. King Kong 2, not that bad. Armadillo ended up being a real pain in the in the butt. If it wasn't for one, you could save, which is thank God. But the other problem, um, just just as you got further into the game, the controls. Oh man, those controls! I tried to. It tricks you. It tricks you because it looks like it'd be super fun and it would play well sort of that Mario feel, but it's just, that's not what it is at all. And the controls are, they are so sluggish. And the slowdown, oof. So in my Kirby review, uh, and I've always shared this, Kirby, Kirby's adventure on the NES has some slowdown because it really pushes the NES to its limits. It's a later release NES game. A lot of things happening on screen, a lot of really good graphics, and it slows down. Most of the time, I would notice it with Spark. The Spark power-up, when you're Kirby and you're dropping Spark, and there's a lot of enemies around, woo, that game slows down like crazy. Annoying. But nothing compared to Armadillo. Just doing a jump, just doing a long jump, and then maybe a flamingo comes on screen. Oh, boy, it's going to slow down on me. Ugh. Once you have two or three enemies on screen, the whole game just drags. It drags. It took me a long time to get through Armadillo just because it, it just dragged. I don't even know how many hours of gameplay footage I ended up with. King Kong 2, I had about an hour, hour and a half of footage recorded. Armadillo, I don't even, I don't even know. That video took a long time to edit because I don't, again, you're getting that deep dive information behind the scenes. I don't do what you should. So when I record a Game Dave episode or a Family Corner episode specifically, I try to record the entire game, and I mostly just I just play it and get through it. And I try to, which I never succeed. I know as I squish my face in disappointment, I never succeed in remembering the things that I wanted to talk about while I'm playing it. And be like, oh, we should just take notes. Just write down notes. And that's what I need to do is I need to take notes, which I sometimes will, I'll have a notepad open and I will uh, will list some things that I want to reference as I go through the game. But I don't time code it. And that sucks. And that's what I need to do for sure. And that's something that I know, uh, at least in the early days, I know James Rolfe from the Angry Video Game Nerd, he was very diligent, at least back in the day, uh, of time-coding moments that he knew he was going to use in an episode as he would sort of play and script in a way. That's something I need to get better at because I will run into this problem, and I've run into it in probably every single Family Corner episode I've ever made. So 23 episodes so far. I always have this problem where I'll be editing, and I, you know... I have my script and I did my lines, recorded everything. And in the script, I'll list things off. And it's hard for me to not show everything I say. So if I'm going through a list of power-ups, I'm like, oh yeah, you pick up this power-up, you get this invincibility power, you pick up this power-up, you you know, get an extra life, you pick this one up, you get faster. And there's always one that I struggle to find. Like... 
I don't remember what it Oh, I know what it was. In Armadillo, there's that power-up that inverts your invul- your vulnerability. So when you're balled up and rolled up, almost, I mean, as far as I recall, yeah, nothing can damage you. So you're almost invincible when you're balled up, rolled up like a little balled-up armadillo. But if you pick up this weird potion, reverse potion or whatever it's actually referred to as, magic drink, I think is what it's called in the manual. I'm trying to remember the translation. But if you take that drink for a limited amount of limited amount of time, you'll change color, which signifies that your vulnerability has been reversed. So that means if you're balled up, anything can kill you. And if you're in normal armadillo bipedal mode, you're invincible basically. You'll, well, you'll kill things by touching them, like picking up an invincibility power. So very weird power up. Especially because there's already an invincibility power-up in the game. So, why would you make one that's slightly more crappy? I don't know. I didn't develop the game. That's what they chose to do. Not me. So, sorry. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, like with I uh, with what I was saying about Armadillo and the issue with my captured footage... That magic drink clip, I think I only picked up that power-up once or maybe twice in the several hours I played the game to beat it. So then it came time to find it. When I say, oh, you can find the magic drink, which swaps your invulnerability. I probably spent 20, 30 minutes just trying to track down and clip that little piece of footage for the episode. It sucks, but you know what? You've only got one person to blame, Game Dave, and that would be Game Dave. It's my own fault. Sorry. So Armadillo, very frustrating game, and as I said in the video, it should have been a great game. I should have loved it, but it ended up frustrating me to no end. It just... mm. Now Armadillo, fun story how I found that. Guess where I found it? At a convention. That's right, and I'm almost certain I bought it from Carlson at Mad Gear again so i was actually i remember exactly when i got it i was with try from my life in gaming because we generally hang out me and the my life in gaming boys and sometimes duke of the 8-bit duke check his stuff out as well we usually bunk together uh sometimes we sleep in the same bed it is what it is deal with it and we room together and we always shop together we're always out there trying to get those deals and we were looking at the famicom stuff and tries buddy lynn was with us as well and this was magfest and she she does the japanese very well translates japanese shout out to lynn and we were looking through and i saw the box for this game and i it didn't wasn't any english on it a lot of famicom games will have the English title somewhere on it, which is nice. But this had nothing. It just had the armadillo character, Billy the Shell, on the front, jumping. And it looked pretty neat. It looked very fun, cartoony, enjoyable. And then it had the Japanese text, logo, characters on the front. I'm like, well, Lynn's right here. What is this game? 
and she looked at it, and at first it was a slight struggle uh, because it was very stylized uh, symbols, very, very stylized characters in Japanese. So she had to really look at it closely and then realize it was just, it was sounded out. It was uh, phonetically spoken Japanese sounds to mimic some other sound because she started to read it to me and it was armadillo 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 oh they're phonetically speaking armadillo in uh, you know with the Japanese character so there you go armadillo I was like well better pick it up and uh, yeah that's the story of how I bought armadillo and this was years ago years and years ago I bought it specifically for Family Corner and it finally got made yeah, that's the most recent one. Got some more family corners in the works, so those are coming down the pike. Down the pike. Armadillo. So a little family corner bonus uh, about filming those episodes. I'll give you some more in the future. Don't want to take up the whole time talking about family corner because I gotta talk about gotta talk about this baby. That's right. I now have a son which I very briefly showed in my, I guess you could call it clickbaity video, but not really, uh, that I, I made the, the ultimate Game Boy, which would be a child who will hopefully like games. So I just assume Game Boy, right? The Game Boy. So I got the little Game Boy now, showed him briefly in that video, and he is uh, he's growing up. He is growing up, and he is running around, and it is crazy. Boy, it is insane, and I'll talk more about why it's insane. It it is uh, it's funny because, you know, when people find out you're gonna have a kid, the people who have kids are gonna tell you answers to the questions you never asked because they know better than you. Oh, you're having a kid. You better get ready. Oh my gosh. It was like the most, it was like impending doom from these parents who have been through the ringer. Oh, you'll see. Game over. Life's over. You'll see. Everything's going to change. You'll see. As like every person. I don't think there was a person who didn't say, oh, you better be ready. You'll say, you'll say. Goodbye to that game room. That's what a couple people would say who know about the the collections and stuff. Oh, say bye to that game room. That's going to be the baby's room. I was like, no, no, it's not. Why would I need to get rid of my game room because I'm having a kid? That seems crazy to me. Yeah, I didn't listen to the naysayers. And they're like, oh, your life's going to be totally different. You'll see. And I was like, I I think we'll be all right. Man, it's frustrating how right they were. (laughs) I guess it is really. Oh, Oh, good friend of the show, Johnny Millennium and his wife Kim. John and Kim just had their their little girl, which they announced. Um, he had told me that uh, they were pregnant. They had been trying. Uh, he he let me in on the on the secret news early on. I was super excited for them, and he, he's asked me a lot of questions about what to expect and how's it going to go. And I mean, John is a solid dude. Kim's a solid gal. Uh, I have no worries that they are going to love that kid, and it it. She's going to have an awesome life. So congrats. Congrats to you guys. I haven't been able to talk to them since the they had the baby. Um, but so glad everything's everything's going well. 
And uh, yeah, I, I was trying to not be all the people I knew when he told me about it and be like, oh, you'll see. Oof, you better get ready. I mean, I told him it's a challenge, but it's like one of the most rewarding challenges. But it's also one of the most selfish things ever because like, oh, I'm, I've made a little me. It's like, oh, it's so much work. It's like, yeah, but you're raising this little you. It's awesome. It's amazing. <laughs> you have kids for you, not for them. <laughs> That's messed up. I don't know. But yeah, life changed. Uh, sleep. Sleep was the biggest thing. Um, being a Googler, liking to, to solve problems by looking things up and thinking that will solve all my problems, did not solve all my problems this time around necessarily. Is that weird thing of a lot of older family members would say things like, well, the first part, yeah, you'll be up a little bit with the screaming, but once they get a little settled, they sleep all the time. They sleep all the time. You're going to have so much time because they're just going to sleep. It'll be nice and quiet and relaxing. This kid never napped. He did not sleep like ever. Like we'd try to put him down for naps. He would nap a little bit, but oh my gosh, they would say, oh, they sleep all day. No, this kid does not like to sleep during the day. What the heck? Yeah, and he slept really good at night, but then it started to change where he wouldn't go to bed. He wouldn't sleep at night either, and he would just scream and yell and go in and give him his pacifier. Let me take your passy. Please take your passy. Oh, gosh. Just sleep. I'm so tired. It's four in the morning, and he's screaming. And then we did this uh, sleep course, this sleep study, because I was looking up all kinds of things. Well, what do you do? How do you get him to go to sleep? And learn some very awesome things that seem so obvious. So obvious. For those of you who don't have kids or those of you who do have kids, I don't know if you went through the same struggles as me, but good Lord. Um, But this sleep study, insane. It makes so much sense because you think, oh my gosh, she's crying. What's your first instinct? Think about it. Leave your comment. And then I'll give you the answer. <laughs> Leave a comment and then I'll answer it. You would think you'd go in to the baby's room, into the nursery. You get the boy out of the crib, bundle him up, and you rock him. Right? You just rock that little boy. Oh, it's going to be fine. Just rock the boy. Don't rock the boat, baby. So you rock him. He starts to calm down. <laughs> he calms down. Oh, yeah. He's falling asleep. He's feeling good. Oh, I did it. I rocked the baby to sleep, place him in the crib. Good night. Good night, bud. See you in the morning. 20 minutes go by. He's up and he's screaming again. Why is he screaming again? What is happening? Didn't work. Didn't work. We tried everything. Tried to rock him to sleep. And then if he woke up as you, you placed him, you tried to be like, okay, don't move him too quickly because he'll, he'll wake up. And we'll do this again. So you have to get him into bed while he's asleep so you can sneak out. It's really like the ultimate stealth game, having a kid. Whenever they're asleep, you're, you're, you're like, I'm in my own house. I am in my own house sneaking around like a burglar. Like I'm going to burgle myself because this kid, he runs the show. Oh, please, please don't wake up. Oh, my God. Like trying to go down the stairs. Like, okay, I got it. You get that nice 
way of going down the steps so they don't creak anymore. You think you're slick, like you're playing a thief. <laughs> it's it's stupid. It's really stupid how they take over. And, you know, it's all, oh, he's got to sleep. And then I find out the first big thing in this sleep course that this woman gives about, you know, best practices for helping your child sleep throughout the night. Never put your baby to sleep when they're already asleep. I'm sorry, what's that? Always put your baby in their crib awake. Put them to bed awake. And that, like, some parents and some people are probably, well, duh, Dave, everybody knows that. I didn't know that. Most people that don't have kids probably don't know that because you just think it's so iconic, right? Rockabye baby. Who wrote that song? Someone who doesn't know how to teach a child to sleep throughout the night. That's who wrote that song. Rockabye my butt to sleep. <laughs> Could some? I'm going to need somebody to rock my butt, please. <laughs> Ooh, that's to be a weird parody song, weird Al song. Rockabye my butt to sleep. So you put your baby in the crib awake. And then she starts explaining why. Because even then I was like, okay, that's dumb. That makes no sense logically. And then it, it makes so much freaking sense. Here, here it is. You put your baby to sleep awake because, because, <laughs> think about you. Think about you. No, you. Not you. You. When you go to sleep, you get in your bed, you lay your head on that sweet, sweet pillow. Don't fall asleep during this episode, okay? I need I need the watch time. <laughs> Don't let me put you to sleep. <laughs> Game Dave's ASMR Put You to Sleep podcast talk show, digitally distracted to sleep. You lay in your bed, you put your head on the pillow, and eventually, most of us that don't have insomnia or other issues, you fall asleep in your bed under the covers. And most people, you might wake up once or twice in the middle of the night, right? It happens to me. Sometimes my bladder says, whoa, why'd you drink half a bottle of water before you went to bed, Dave? Get up, Stumble around because you have terrible night vision. Stub your toe on the bathroom door and pee in the toilet. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Flush it. Still pee a little bit. Try to race the flush cycle to its end. You know, things guys do. <laughs> and you wake up in your bed that you laid down in. You went to sleep in your bed. You put yourself under the covers. You woke up. Guess what? You're in the same place. You fell asleep. Do you wake up freaking out, screaming and crying? No. You might say, well, Dave, you're an adult. Why would you wake up screaming and crying? It depends on the dream or nightmare I had. No. Now let's apply that to a little baby, mine of which is actually sleeping right now. He's right here. If you're listening to the audio version, you can't see this. He's asleep. I'm watching him, and that boy is out like a trout that has been fished up out of water in a bass fishing game. If you put your baby to sleep awake, he puts himself to sleep in a way, 
And if he wakes up, he's where he put himself to sleep. If you rock your... I'm giving away very important information. I'm going to get sued by this woman because of her secrets. <laughs> if you rock your... Say you sit in the rocking chair and you rock your baby to sleep. And then you slowly sneak them into the crib and sneak out. Inevitably, your kid's going to wake up in the middle of the night. Everybody rolls over in the middle of the night. Very few people sleep for eight hours and don't move because your arm would be so asleep. So you put them to sleep. And then they wake up at two in the morning and they're looking around and they start to freak out. (gasps) I was in daddy's arms and when I fell asleep and in the rocking chair and then I wake up, I'm in this cage. Where's daddy? They freak out. They're screaming and crying. And then you go in like a dummy and you pick them up and you rock them to sleep and you put them back in. And the cycle happens. They wake up 20 minutes later. What? This is not where I was. Where is Dada Mama? <laughs> now apply that to you. Let's say you, I don't know, get in your bed, pull the covers up, start to fall asleep. Mm, I'm falling asleep. Ah. And then you wake up three or four hours later and you're outside in a sleeping bag at a campsite you've never been to, you'd probably start screaming and freak out because that's not where I went to sleep. I didn't fall asleep there. How did I get here? Same thing for a kid. So there it is. That was the biggest thing. Putting our kid to sleep awake, putting him in the crib awake, let them put themselves to sleep so when they wake up, they know that that's where they fell asleep. Everything is fine. Nothing to freak out about. And as soon as we started doing that, you would see him wake up on the monitor. He'd, he'd kind of like, and he would look. And everything would be fine. And he'd go back to sleep. He'd be like, oh, oh, okay. I'm still in the same place that I was placed in when I first went to bed. Great. Asleep. And within three days of that routine, there were some other things obviously that went with it, but that was the biggest thing that we had to break. Perfect. He almost never wakes up in the middle of the night, ever. He's over a year old now. It's crazy. He sleeps through the night and he is conked out right now. Very rarely will he wake up in the middle of the night and have an issue. It's awesome. So there, there's my... Game Dave baby tip of the month. Now, I have a couple questions that are relevant to having a kid now. First one here from Retro Cabeza. Like that. It may be too soon, but have you thought about how to introduce your kid to video games? I'm sure you have. Chronologically, maybe? Great question. And yes, this is something I thought about before. Before I pooped him out, you know, when I gave birth to him, junior style, Arnold style, because I wouldn't, I, it wouldn't be ideal if he hated video games. It'd be kind of a waste to have this crazy game room and a kid that didn't care about video games, (laughs) but I'm not going to necessarily force him to love video games or like them even in the way I do, because everybody's different. It is what it is. If he doesn't uh, pick him up, it's fine. That is his path. But I doubt it. I, I mean, what kid 
doesn't at least have a passing interest in gaming to some degree. I feel like everybody's got to have a little taste of it. Even if it's simple stuff, even if you just like Tetris, even if you only play, 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 play even if you only play video games, even if you only play Mario Kart, you know, everybody likes games, right? Even the simple games. Even if you're not necessarily, you wouldn't call yourself a gamer, but I'm sure there's a game out there you enjoy. And it's that weird thing of because he may have more access to games, I do worry that maybe the specialness of it or the what might what would be the word? I'm trying to think of that word, the the appeal of the mystery of it, the mystique of it might be gone because it's just there. It's it's normal. It won't be this unique thing to get a new video game because there there's such a level of access to them here aside from new things that come out if he's following gaming so i don't know i don't know what that's going to look like retro cabeza but when it comes to introducing them if all goes well i would think it's a toss-up right now but if i had that ability to choose his path into what he played I would probably start him similar to myself. Uh, either the NES, simple, two buttons, D-pad, or the original Game Boy. I don't know. Or possibly Game Boy Pocket, you know, small hands. Game Boy Pocket might be the way to go. I have two Game Boy Pockets. He could take one and do what uh, he will with it. Or is that fear of the screen getting damaged? But, you know, it is what it is. If he enjoys it, it's fine. If he enjoys it, it's fine. So, yeah, NES or Game Boy is probably how I would try to start it out. And, yeah, chronologically seems like what I would do starting around that era. I've said it many times. My first gaming console was the Vectrex. And then very quickly moved away from that with the NES and the Game Boy. Both of which, actually all three of which were hand-me-down consoles. We did not buy those hand-me-downs now the games my mom and dad you know would get us certain games occasionally but maybe i would say at most i would get a new game maybe three times a year i would get one game maybe if it was a gift or purchased by a parent didn't get games regularly and when i say new games i also didn't get brand new games very often. Instead, we would go to the local flea market, which is still open. Uh, well, as in it still exists. I don't know if it's open right now with everything going on, but it's still there. <laughs> it hasn't changed its name. Uh, despite burning down, part of it burnt down, but it's still going because there's a big barn indoor flea market area and then there's the outdoor flea market area. It is not a great it is not a great flea market by any means. It's okay. Used to be a lot better. When I was a kid, it was awesome because there was it was always packed. There was crazy amounts of sellers and dealers there. And the way that I got most of my NES collection, which I may have talked about this before, but the way I got most of my collection was at the flea market. I would get used NES cartridges with my grandmother. There was an older gentleman who sold video games, mostly NES games, and he had a little NES, a little TV set up, and yeah, every time my grandparents would take 
my brother and I to this flea market, we would get that chance to maybe, depending on the mood my grandmother was in, because, hey, I love you. I love you, my mom. I love you, pop. But good Lord, are they tight? They'll never see this because they don't have a computer or the internet. Sorry, Harold and Nan. <laughs> Despite Pop, yes, the Pop from Pop Plays, who's been on this channel before. He's never seen those videos, I don't think. <laughs> they don't have a computer or the internet. They're not witted when it comes to that stuff. But if my grandmother was in the mood, she would buy me one NES game. And she would never pay full price. She would haggle the man down. If it was a game that was $10, no, $10, see ya. And she'd be, that, she would drag you away to get the guy to come back and be like, oh, no, 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 it's okay. We'll make a deal. We'll make it. $8, $8. Yeah, she would make them haggle with her. She would just, she was ready to walk away. And the games I remember most picking up at this flea market were uh, Back to the Future, the original Back to the Future game on NES. Say what you will about that. Some people love it. Some people hate it. A lot of people hate it. I thought it was fine. Never beat it. I could get to the stage where you're catching, or not you're going to catch, you're blocking the hearts, I think, from Lorraine. Because it's your mom, ew. <laughs> That's the as far as I could get. I don't know. You know what? I may have made it to the DeLorean final stage once, but I never fully completed the game. Never beat it. Very difficult. I should try that. Maybe on stream. If I start streaming again, I'll, I'll try to beat Back to the Future. I should beat all of the licensed games for my favorite films. Ghostbusters, Back to the Future, Beetlejuice. Oh, man. Those would be some irritating streams. <laughs> Maybe. Who knows? See what you, Let me know if you think yeah, that's something you'd like to see me suffer through. I'll think about it. But <laughs> that's where I got uh, a lot of my early games. And for him... Back to my boy, back to the Game Boy, it's going to be difficult because he has a different type of access to at least the older games. Um, but it, it's a thing of I really do want to limit his exposure because it kind of reminds me of emulation and ROMs where I was in high school when emulation sort of became known. It was not widespread at all. I found out about it. I went to a technical high school, and at this technical high school, everybody had a shop. That's why it's a tech school. So you had your normal high school classes, and then everybody was part of a shop. I was in radio TV, um, even though ultimately it there was no radio by the time I joined it. They had gotten rid of the radio aspect of it, and it was just focused on video production. And they were starting to get into nonlinear editing with Premiere. Premiere was like still new. <laughs> I'm older. I'm a bit old. Premiere was a new thing in high school. And I got a little bit of exposure to that before I finished high school. But my diploma still says, it's right here, radio, TV, production, and broadcasting, which is hilarious because there was no radio training in our shop. But before you would select a shop... There were two times that you would have a chance to be in another shop. In freshman year of your time in high school, you would go through pathways where you would sort of, sort of test out and try all of the other shops. And that was sort of your way of picking which shop you'd want to be in. And you would pick your favorite three, and then you would interview for your top 
shop. And if you didn't get accepted into that shop program, then you would go down the list to your second choice. Thankfully, I got the shop I wanted because I was always interested in performing and filmmaking and video production. That was always something I wanted to be involved in somehow in my life. So that was one way you'd experience other shops. And the other way was you could sort of pick a secondary, almost like a minor, a secondary shop or shops to do as sort of an elective bonus that was somewhat relevant to your shop. And my friends, a lot of them did electronics. They didn't do the TV production and broadcasting stuff. I was like, well, darn, I'm going to be by myself, but this is what I want to learn. So they were in electronics. I think two... Two of my three closest friends were in electronics. Three of, no, three of my four were in electronics. And I chose that as my sort of elective shop. And in electronics, there were certain computers in the back that had ZSNES installed on them. And they were playing Mario Kart and Super Mario Brothers, or Super Mario World. It was crazy. I was like, wait, these are classic games and you're playing them with a keyboard? What? Blew my mind. And then as I got older and these became more accessible, I did what I think a lot of people did back then when they discovered emulation is they would download an emulator and they would try to find a pack. So it'd be like a crazy, I don't know, 600 NES games ultimate pack of every game, every Super Nintendo game. You would download them and then you would have access to everything. And the mystique of it, the rarity of it was lost because you'd load up a game. Oh, man, I remember Super Mario World. You'd load Super Mario World. You'd play a couple levels. Oh, that's so crazy. Stunt Race FX. I remember Stunt Race FX. Oh, yeah, the 3D driving. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, this level's fun. It's all right. Oh, I remember, I remember Castlevania, Super Castlevania. Oh, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. Oh, Mario Kart. Yeah, do a race or two. And then the sort of fun of it die down because when you're young and you get one game for your birthday that's your game that's it you play that game every day even if it's not a great game you play the heck out of it because it's all you got and then it's that weird thing if you learn to love it and when you have access to everything how can you ever learn to love all of it you can't it's too much so to have a certain sliver of games that almost force you to create favorites out of them that that's kind of lost when you have access to everything and i think people who got into emulation that way and just downloaded everything played a couple games here and there i don't think they continued to emulate games after that i think it died off and even with me it died off a little bit but it did sort of reignite my mind and it actually I pulled my Super Nintendo back out because I still had my original mini Super Nintendo Junior console which was my childhood Super Nintendo that I bought with my own hard-earned cash from Walmart I remember buying it the Yoshi's Island pack-in edition I loved that thing and I still had it and I hooked it up to the TV and left it hooked up uh, until I went to college because when I went to college, I took my PS2 along with me. But chronologically, back to uh, the boy, that's probably what's going to happen. I'm going to introduce him, if he even has an interest. I will say, he doesn't come down to the basement very often. But when he does, he is oddly attracted to the Game Boys. 
So I have my Game Boy section. It's probably because it's all I can reach. <laughs> He's short. Burn, vertical challenge. He can't quite reach high, but he sees the Game Boys. I have a Game Boy Pocket. Then I have a original gray brick Game Boy. And then I have a Game Boy Advance, original Game Boy Advance. And they're just kind of in front of some of the Game Boy cartridges. And he zones in on those things and he will pull that Game Boy and Game Boy Pocket off the shelf and kind of like look at it. And I've put a game in and turned it on before and he kind of like looks at it. And then he'll just hold it and dance to the music. He does this thing where he puts one arm up and he just kind of dances to it. <laughs> That's his thing. Hmm. Yeah. So hopefully he'll like the Game Boy. The goal is to hide him from the new stuff so he doesn't think it's lame. Because I really want him to appreciate where the stuff came from. And it's a lot harder to appreciate it when it's already old. And I'm guilty of it. I'm not perfect ever. <laughs> I'm never perfect. But I'm guilty of not appreciating. <laughs> I'm guilty of not appreciating what came before my firsts? My firsts were Vectrex. Most people don't appreciate the Vectrex that aren't deep into the retro community. But I appreciate the Vectrex because it was one of my first consoles. I love and have nostalgia for the NES. Nostalgia Vision, nostalgiavision.com. Check out that website. I highly recommend you visit nostalgiavision.com. <laughs> Let me know where it takes you. Ah. <laughs> But when you have Nostalgia Vision, you're going to appreciate things in a different way. And the Atari is a console I never really played growing up. I wasn't really aware of it. I remember my best friend in elementary school had an Atari up in his closet, at the, on the top shelf of his closet, way up there. Like, we couldn't reach it up there. And he had the NES and the Super Nintendo, and I loved the Super Nintendo because I only had the NES. And I was like, this is amazing. I'm going to get a Super Nintendo one day, which I eventually did, the Mini. And I remember seeing that Atari, and I kind of wanted him to hook it up. I was like, what's that thing? Could we play that? And he even said, you don't want to play that. It's not that fun. And I think because we had already experienced the NES, let alone the Super Nintendo, to do that and then go back to the Atari, I mean, good luck with that controller. I appreciate what the Atari did for bringing video games to the console market, but... It's just not something I could ever get into. The Atari can be fun as a novelty for me, and this is not to dog on the Atari at all because there's people who love it. There's people who probably think the NES is dumb, but, you know, to each their own interest. But I think nostalgia <laughs> plays a big role, especially in gaming. So I think it'd be hard if we got him a Switch, which I definitely don't want to do. You know, say he turns four or five and we get him a Switch Pro or whatever the Switch is or a Nintendo console. And that's his first system. I don't know if I could get him to go back and play the old stuff. I really don't. Who knows? So I think giving him a chance to appreciate what came first will help. Chronologically might be the way to go. But who knows? Now one more question before we move on. Because it's already, man, my first solo digitally distracted. And here we are just kicking it. We're going to crush that first hour which I was hoping to make the max length on this. If it's too long, let me know. You love it. You you want as much as you can have. Malice Fire. Malice Fire on Twitter replied to the question for Give Me Questions and said, okay, as a dad who don't sleep much to begin with, I play my games at night when the family goes to sleep. What is your plan on how you will make time to play Euden Chronicle 100 Heroes? 
because you know you will get lost in this game when it eventually gets released. Absolutely true. If you didn't know, Aiden Chronicle crushing the $3 million goal. Uh, it's in its last week as of the recording of this episode. And it's it's just crazy the amount of stretch goals that have occurred. Yes, I'm super excited for Aiden Chronicle. It's going to be a similar situation to Final Fantasy VII Remake, which I put over 100 hours into. That's right. I platinumed Final Fantasy VII Remake, but I don't want to talk anymore about that because I'm hoping that the next episode of Digitally Distracted will dive deeply into my thoughts on Final Fantasy VII Remake because I don't know if I can do a video on it standalone. I just don't know. I captured 900 gigabytes of gameplay footage of my Final Fantasy VII Remake experience. What the crap is wrong with my brain? What am I thinking? <laughs> that would be very hard to make a video on and do it justice. So I, I don't know. Maybe I still will. Maybe I'll do Final Fantasy VII Remake one year later. So in April, I'll do a video on <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Remake, my thoughts after a year. Uh, but I think the next episode, and I hope to have a guest on if, uh, if they don't um, hate me by then. I'd love to have them on to talk about Final Fantasy VII Remake with me. So Malice Fire, to answer your question, how am I going to deal with playing Aiden Chronicle 100 Heroes when it releases? Free time. What little free time I'll have. And right now, my free time is devoted to this, the channel, uh, whatever chance I have. Like I said, the sun is asleep. I have not had dinner yet. I am delaying it so that I could record this because it's important. And it's going to be this weird thing of when I go back to work, which will come into play with quarantine, when I go back to work very soon, very, very soon, yes, I have to go back to work. <laughs> um, can't wait. It's going to be that weird balance of, you know, he'll be at the babysitter, hopefully, if everything works well. And uh, it's going to be played, any games really, for fun. That's the thing of, you almost feel guilty when you play video games that aren't for an episode or for a video, which which is sucky. And I'm trying to let myself not feel guilty, ooh, not feel guilty because I'm playing a game and it's not for an episode of something for the channel. But with Digitally Distracted, any gameplay can be used because I could talk about it on here. So <laughs> I'll feel better about that. But with Final Fantasy VII Remake, it was, yeah, when it, at night is tif difficult because... Yeah, I have to get up pretty early being in the teaching world. Um, but I'll be honest. Let's not get game day fired, but uh, if I'm working remotely from here when the school year begins and I'm on my lunch break, I'm going to play video games on my lunch break. You better believe it. Why wouldn't I? If I had my video games at work, if I, if I felt comfortable taking my Switch to work, I would play Switch while I ate my lunch. So I'll probably play games on my lunch break. But yeah, late at night, uh, when everyone's asleep, I'll probably try to play the most of it. Uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake came out at a very perfect time because it released right when this quarantine stuff was really solid. So I played Final Fantasy VII Remake when my son would nap. So when the Game Boy went down for a nap, I'd play Final Fantasy VII Remake while also trying to plan for videos and because you just need a break. Um, it's constant because you have to... When you're watching your kid and they're like one, they're not self-sustaining. They're not independent at all. You can't put them in a padded room, so you have to be with them the whole time, watching them, 
with both eyes. You can't look away. I, you can't play Switch. You can't play Switch and watch your son because you're trying to keep him from not dying. Because he, he doesn't know how to not die yet. <laughs> it's rough. So that's how Final Fantasy VII Remake got played. But I'm probably going to have to have a very good routine of either late at night, maybe when I'm eating lunch, or <laughs> or I do what my good friend does from work. He gets up super early. So if I can train myself to get up super early, maybe do my gameplay early before I go to work. Play for an hour. Get up enough to where I could play an hour before the day starts. That might be a fun thing to do. We'll see. So quarantine. Goodness gracious. Uh, I'm just going to briefly talk about this because people are tired of hearing about it. Of course, uh, there's, a bit of a, there's a bit of a crisis going on in the world. Um, still. Still kind of happening. Uh, but Victini Blast. I hope I don't mess this up. Damien is your handle, so I'll just say Damien. Relative to quarantine said, think that Animal Crossing New Horizons was the big thing through quarantine for many players. So it's not really a question, but yes, New Horizons came out at a great time, and I love the Animal Crossing series, and I played a lot of Animal Crossing because I would play it at night in bed. It's one of the few times I use a portable console as a portable console. I would sit in bed and play till like 1 in the morning and wake up groggy as heck, excuse my language. I'd play Animal Crossing for hours. Like, it would be time to legit go to bed, and I'd bring my Switch out. Like, pull the covers over and play under the covers like I'm a child. And I played so many hours of Animal Crossing. If you're friends with me on your on the friends list on Switch, don't look at my Animal Crossing New Horizons playtime. It is embarrassing. I don't want to talk much more about Animal Crossing, because that's also a future digitally distracted episode, hopefully with a guest. We'll see how that goes. Man. So quarantine uh, sucked. It was great, but also bad, but also sucked, but also good in ways. Many adjectives can be used. Quarantine really started uh, very early March. Schools got shut down. I am a teacher. Yes, I'm still a teacher. And schools got shut down, and we didn't know what to do. The first week, we were given no information on what to do. The district put up uh, some lesson plan things for students to do at home while they scrambled to figure out what to do. So we were kind of in this weird thing where we had to, we had a week where we weren't instructed to do anything. And then that, that time got tacked on at the end of the school year, so we ended up making it up. Um, so that, that first week was nice because <laughs> it's a weird thing to say, but the world shut down but I kind of had this chance to relax. And because we couldn't really leave the house, I was basically a single dad um, all through quarantine and still am kind of doing that right now because you can't take him out, can't take him to a babysitter. So I was watching my son all day, every day. I was stay-at-home dad for a while. And then what sucked was after that first week or so, Things ramped up, and we were back to a, a quote-unquote full-time schedule during the week. Monday through Friday, we were teaching remotely and working. But I still had my son, so they didn't really account for that, and I think that was a big misstep is childcare understandings because I, I had my son. It was just me and him all day. So I would try to do my teaching and my remote lessons and the classes that I would be with on Zoom <laughs> for the hour or maybe hour and a half that he would sleep 
and he was still doing two naps back then, so I was able to kind of do two two live sessions, and then the rest was just him running around back here, and hopefully, you know, I didn't have the swords set up, grabbing swords, <laughs> and I'm like working, sending emails, writing plans, setting packets, and he's just running around. It was it was brutal, absolutely brutal. So that's what quarantine was, um, and still kind of is. Uh, summer break is ending, and I'm about to get back to. Work, so we'll see what that is. I don't know. I'll update you on the next digitally distracted. So let's let's finish up. We got this has been super fun and very therapeutic to talk um, to you directly. And I'm hoping that you don't. Uh, I mean, we all miss Gerald. Um, I hope you don't hate me that we don't have Gerald right now. He's he's a busy guy. Okay, I can't. Uh, especially with everything going on to, to schedule doing this weekly, which my goal eventually is to make Digitally Distracted a weekly show yet again. That's just not something that I think is feasible. Um, Gerald may appear in the future. You never know. We'll see. Uh, but I, wa- I want to close out with some leftover Q&A things. It might not be so specific. Got a lot of questions on that tweet. Um, again, you can leave comments on this Digitally Distracted, maybe with topics you want to see discussed or some questions. But if there are specific topics, I might... Uh, also do another tweet so make sure you follow me uh, on Twitter if you have one because I'll probably put a call out for topics and things you might want to hear discussed I already have some topics lined up with some guests but it's always good to have more information Renee Klain friend of the show his question I need to draw a famous renaissance era painting but only have 60 seconds or less to do it what should I do well there was a great public access show called art in a minute that uh, as far as I know was canceled um, where they would teach you how to paint the classics. Uh, Roy would teach you how to paint the classics in 60 seconds or less. Um, unfortunately, that show is gone, but there is Games in a Minute, which is now um, on public access, but is being hosted here as well on the Game Dave channel, so you can check that out, Games in a Minute. It's not painting. It's not the same kind of art, but you know, Roy is uh, he's chugging along, so check it out, Games in a Minute with Roy. English Muffin... SFX Leon, that's right, Special Effects Leon. Leon, I miss you. Uh, I know Leon. Special Effects wizard he is. Uh, He said, hi, Game Dave, can you start an OnlyFans? All right, let's move on to the next question. We got RetroHeart84 said, can we be friends and hang out? I'm not far from Delaware. We're friends right now because you are hopefully listening and watching, 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 the watching of Digitally Distracted. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I'm Retro. I'm retro, Nin Sony fan. I'm guessing you like Nintendo and Sony. I'm retro said, okay, this is my question. Did you know about the Famulator Lite? I'm surprised that you do not own one, being a Famicom Game Boy Advance lover. So he included a picture as well. Goodness gracious, the Famulator Lite. I'm going to have to look into that. So it kind of looks like a fold-out DS Famicom, but it has a Game Boy Advance slot. Is I'm, I'm sure it's uh, not officially licensed. I'll look into that. Who knows? Maybe I'll do a Famicorner episode that's all about bootleg Famicom consoles and accessories and things like that. That might be fun. I have a couple. We've got Ev Gamer NYC. Ev Gamer said, most overrated RPG. Zelda? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Zelda's not an RPG. Oh, get everybody mad. Uh, most overrated RPG. Uh, I feel like this should be a, a whole video in, its, in itself, so I might save that. But 
briefly most overrated rpg i'd probably point to a western rpg um because i'm not as intrigued by them i hate to say it maybe skyrim maybe skyrim's overrated it's everywhere i mean come on relax relax with the skyrim everywhere still around <laughs> uh but if i had to go for one that's close to my heart the obvious thing would be, oh it's final fantasy 7 no, no it's not final fantasy 7 i don't want to say this either so the hopefully everyone is tuned out already and isn't listening because honestly i don't get final fantasy 6 put your guns down guys and gals i don't know everybody just is so all about final fantasy 6 good lord final fantasy 7 final fantasy 6 should be the next remake no get out of here uh final fantasy 6 is a fantastic game but uh man i don't know if anyone ever talks bad about final fantasy 6 so wouldn't that mean it's overrated i don't know oh man i apologize in advance i'm not saying final fantasy 6 is not an amazing game it is an amazing game might be a little overrated everybody talks about how ff7 is overrated and everybody's like ah it's not that great i don't know i i think everybody loves six six doesn't get any criticism or does it if it does let me know <laughs> oh man Vit fam. Hopefully I said that right. If it's Vit, I apologize. Do you find that the current games are a little difficult to play? Expansive worlds and so many movement options are a big struggle for an old school gamer like me. I like it when gameplay slash borders are more straightforward and defined. Also, how do I keep kids off my lawn? <laughs> old jokes. Uh, no, no. I think... I think a lot of now the time involved in at least the kind of games that I'm in that I like uh, that are modern RPGs, they take even more time to get through. Because yeah, RPGs could be big and exhaustive in the PlayStation era, but even then, like you could crush most everything in 50 hours. I feel like a lot of modern games can take way longer than that to get through, or just to do the base storyline especially with those open world games so i don't know if it's difficulty in the sense of challenge i don't think they're necessarily challenging but they can be difficult to play in the sense of the time commitment to them if that makes sense um but i get it i like yeah you said i like it when gameplay and borders are more straightforward and defined i appreciate that too because i know it's not going to be all day getting through the first level i can have a one sit down experience. I don't need to save. You know, I don't need auto save. I like games like that. That's why I still appreciate the old school games. Uh, but I get the difficulty. It can take the learning curve, right? Like old school games, I think, have a, a different type of pick up and play mentality. You didn't get tutorials, you didn't get all that stuff. You just played the game. And I think that's something that might be lost in, in current games. Maybe. But I wouldn't necessarily say they're more challenging, but they can be more difficult to play in the sense of, of the time investment, for sure. But uh, I like them both. Um, again, why everything that we've talked about today, that I've talked about to your face, 
has uh, hinted at a future episode because there's a whole digitally distracted episode I want to do with a guest that talks about modern games versus the old school stuff. Like, what do you prefer and why? And what what is better? What is more difficult? That's that's something that's coming down the road. Goodness gracious, I still got two more pages. I'm trying to try to get through these Q&A quick. Let's just let's knock them out here before, uh, before you fall asleep. Scepter. Sever, Scepter Seaver, Scepter Sever. What expensive games, vintage or otherwise, do you regret purchasing only after playing them? Of course, that is a good question. What expensive games, vintage or otherwise, do you regret purchasing only after playing them? <sighs> I, You know what? I don't think there's a game that I regret purchasing because of price at all. There's games I reg- I don't well I don't I don't think I would I've ever use the word regret. There's games that I was disappointed with that I chose to review. I'll say that where you know a game that I was like, man, this is gonna be great. So I wouldn't say it's a regret to purchasing it, but I I I'm disappointed that it wasn't what I expected. But I wouldn't say I regret it because at least I tried the game and you know I got to experience what it was and learn a little bit more about what I can handle and can't handle in a video game. Um, I haven't spent a ton of money on very expensive games. Um, I will, I will. Okay. There's one purchase regret that I have that didn't actually go through. So it worked out. I'll tell you this story and then I'll move on an expensive game. So earthbound. Yes. Shame me. I do not own a physical copy of earthbound. I would love to have a physical copy of earthbound, but it's expensive still. It's not rare. It's just expensive. Frustrating. You know, loose copy. My limit, it's very hard for me to spend more than $100 on a single game. I've done it maybe once in my life, and that's a story for another day. But I was trying to hunt down an Earthbound copy. A good friend of mine, uh, one of my best friends actually, he had seen a complete boxed copy with the, the strategy guide and everything, great condition at a local vintage uh, game store. In, he doesn't live in the state <clears throat> anymore. And he he was like, ooh, should I get it? And it was like five fifty complete. That was a good deal at the time. They were going very for, for a lot of money in that condition with the box and everything. And I was like, ooh, maybe you should get it for me. But, you know, just couldn't justify it. I have the game on the Wii U. You know, I've got Earthbound. And I've got it on... Uh, <laughs> Got it on the old SNES Classic, of course. So I have ways to play it legally. Um, and I saw on Facebook Marketplace, I believe. Was it Facebook Marketplace? It might have been Craigslist. Danger and Dumb Me, I, I saw it was a complete copy in okay condition. And it was like $280. I was like, this is it. I'm doing it. Because it was right after that conversation I had with my friend. And I bit the bullet and I did it. And PayPal called me and said, hey, we noticed some unusual activity. Are you sure you want to transfer this amount of money to this person? Are you sure this seems fishy? I was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. And I said it was friends and family. Uh, you know, had a conversation with a guy and um, it was a shipping to be shipped. And boy, did I get, what an idiot. I got scammed so hard. He didn't have Earthbound in the box for $280. So I regret that. That was embarrassing. Thankfully, despite me telling PayPal it was all good, PayPal took my request and uh, they re- they charged back 
they were able to get the money back or whatever. But yeah, because the guy just disappeared. He just disappeared. Oh man, I got scammed. What an idiot. But it was that thing of just wanting to have it. But I wanted it for the wrong reason. You know, I have ways to play it. I would love to have a copy of Earthbound down the road, but it, it is not an essential thing that I, I have to have. Um, it's fine. It's it's totally fine. So, <laughs> life well wasted said. What's your thoughts on Stadia? I have zero thoughts on Stadia, um, because I don't think about it. But if I were to conjure a thought, it'd be this: I don't. Uh, I have no interest at all. Absolutely no interest in it. I have no interest in this idea of cloud gaming. As somebody who's into physical media, I I, I would never feel like. I owned the experience of completing a game through Stadia. Downloading a game on Steam feels more like I own it than playing a game on the cloud. I think it's a bad idea. I don't think the technology's there, and it it doesn't give me the ownership of the game to where I feel like... Like, I love memory cards, and the idea of having my game save on a memory card, it's like, no, that's the physical proof, even though it's digitally on there, physical proof of me completing this game. It's saved on this physical object. You're never you're not even going to get that feeling with playing the game with Stadia. So no thanks. Yeah, no thanks on that. Oh man. Oh, Scepter Sever had one more. How many physical games does one need to own in order to consider them a collector? I'm pretty sure you crossed the Rubicon long ago. <laughs> yeah, I've certainly done that. I I think you can have small collections. I don't think you have to have a hundred games to consider yourself a collector. I don't, and, and collector can be a bad word sometimes. Uh, I think it can be muddied. Uh, I think the the term collector is fine when you appreciate what you have, and it's not just. I just want a complete set of NES games just because. Like if if the reason behind your collecting, I think matters a lot. Um, when it comes to what makes you a collector, to me. If there's just a set, sets within sets is really all it would take to be a collector, right? Say you want to have, I, I wish I had all the Final Fantasy games. That's not that many games. Even if you're talking the mainline series games, 15 games, you're a collector. It's not that big of a deal. Totally doable. It's fine. Yeah. Simple. So we'll say, uh, we'll say 10. <laughs> 10 games, you're a collector. <laughs> um Chris C said will you continue continue your magic talking shelf storyline game Dave the series that is a question that is a question will you continue your magic talking shelf storyline so if I continue that story that series um it will be a, a different world that it will dive into uh, the game Dave the series those 10 episodes set up the future story that I want to tell and it's not about reviews of video games that was just a way to frame it and I think it was a fun way to frame it and get people invested people enjoyed it it's one of my favorite things I've ever made um, Brian the Epcot King the Game Center one he said are we ever going to get a new overarching story in the episodes again like the old days of course referencing the magic talking shelf storyline it's there are ideas that story is written it is outlined it's ready to go it's just the resources i would need to do it 
are immense. I am not a special effects wizard, <laughs> and I would need a lot of special effects help to pull it off, and it would just, it's time. If I was doing uh, the channel full-time and this was my job, absolutely. You can bet your bippy. If I was able to quit my job and do uh, game day full-time, that is one of the first things that I would start working on um, to make happen. Uh, last question, which goes with it. Lagren, Lagren, my boy. I hope I said it right. Lagren, if I said it wrong, I apologize. Uh, I've had many conversations with Lagren. Uh, I, I got some messages from you, and I know I haven't read them yet. I've been very busy. I haven't had a chance to get in there, but I, I don't want to give them. I want to give them the time they deserve. Lagren, nice family corner shirt, by the way. Nice game day shirt, by the way. What is your dream video to make if you had endless time and equipment? It'd be that series, the continuation of the storyline, because there is there is a, a almost a movie written uh, that would be this this awesome story, and it's not it's not reviews or anything like that. It it is a it's like a movie. It's a storyline, fictional show, sci-fi thing that I would love to tell. Uh, it would just be a fun story to tell. And um, maybe one day that endless time and equipment will happen <laughs> and I can make it uh, at least in some form of the way that I imagine it. So here we are at the end. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, the show is going to keep going. We've got guests lined up. It's going to be a fun time. Hope you've enjoyed this time. And if there's something you'd like to ask or a topic you'd like to request, you can leave a comment on this video. Of course, you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. All those social medias find me. Usually it's Game Dave or The Game Dave. <laughs> if somebody stole the name, hope you enjoyed this, whether you're listening or watching it on video. And uh, until next time, thank you for getting digitally distracted.